You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome back to Earth Station Trek, a show where we trek from the early days on NBC to the future on Paramount Plus and everywhere in between. I'm Charles Kelso, and it's my privilege to introduce the Earth Station Trek crew, Keith Johnson. Hello, everybody. Veronica Daschle. Hello. And we're joined by a special guest this week from Potemkin Pictures and Orion Press, Randy Landers. Good evening, guys. Yeah, welcome to the show, Randy. Hey, Randy. Thank you. Nice to be had here. Yeah, we've been friends for a long time. Um, we have. You and I met originally as screen names on Trek BBS <laughs> years ago. Wow, BBS. Yeah. Cool. Uh, but Randy, for, for folks who aren't familiar with Randy, uh, you worked for many, many years. You ran Orion Press uh, fanzine. I did. The 70s, right? Um, 1979 through 2015, 2018. Okay. And then you transitioned over uh, into the P- Potemkin Pictures making fan films. Yeah, from one media to another. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I mean, you're, that's, I mean, you're coming up on half a century of fan product. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> that, doesn't even, that doesn't even include the stuff that I wrote for Roberto Rogo or several other fanzines in the 70s, yes. Wow. So yeah, we're going to talk tonight about some of your experiences uh, making making fan product uh, because that, you've got a lot of output. Your your studio, you guys are are cranking things out. We like to stay busy. And, <laughs> uh, at sixty two and being retired, I have plenty of time to do stuff now. It's <laughs> awesome. Randy, how did you get into the Star Trek? Was it just simply you, you just simply watched it as a kid and loved it and kept going with all My- science fiction? My parents were were Star Trek fans. When it first came out, they sat wow. down, watched Star Trek, and the next thing you know is I'm sitting there on Tuesday evenings watching it with them. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> they got me books from the library, the Star Trek Logs by James Blish. And wow. uh, man, been busy reading. And then around 2014, I read this book, Star Trek Lives, mm-hmm. by uh, Marshak Colbreth and. Was it Joni Jean uh, Laura that wrote the other part, or Joni Winston? And from there on, I've been writing fan fiction and making movies. Wow, that's kind of amazing. Given um, what you said, your age is that your parents were in a Star Trek. My mom would come by when I would watch it. My my older two, my, my I have two older brothers. They're both sci fi fans. My mom would go, "Oh, there's that pointy eared man again," and that's all <laughs> she said. She never watched anything like that. That's amazing. My my parents detested most of Irwin Allen's uh, films and television series. And so I was like, what about Star Trek? And my mom was like, oh, it's the characters. And, you know, mom's no longer with me, but I will never forget. Yeah, it's the characters, mom. You were absolutely right. Yeah, absolutely right. I mean, Irwin Allen had the sort of the flashbang stuff. But, yeah, I mean, what separates Star Trek is the writing. I mean, yeah. it really was. 
There's, I mean, there's other things that, that I think Star Trek was a cut above <laughs> things like <laughs> Land of the Giants in a lot of respects. But I mean, the, the writing really separated it. And the fact they took those characters and the world seriously, it wasn't pirates in a pirate costume showing up. Well, like, no, it, the pirates in the pirate costume, that's fine. It's the <laughs> giant lobster man or the carrot man or, uh, you know, the, the skunk cabbage monster, which appears in every one of his shows. <laughs> or the fact that uh, it's, uh, all of Erwin Allen's Erwin Allen's shows started recycling monsters between their shows. Yes. So there <laughs> yeah. was always the sp- remember the space aliens with the silver makeup and the silver spacesuits. Yes. <laughs> yes. And the skunk cabbage was that two-headed thing. It was in Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea. It was yeah. in Lost in Space. Then it was back in Voyage. Then it was back in Lost in Space. And I'm like that poor that poor suit probably fell apart after five years. Yeah. 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 But it's it's amazing that your mom, your parents actually curated sci-fi because like Absolutely. back in the day, sci-fi, if Star Trek was on, people like, well, whatever, sci-fi. Most people, you know, who weren't fans didn't even think about Star Trek as being a cut above. It was just more sci-fi. So it's interesting your parents were kind of that, you know, who took the time because some people just lump it all together. It's very interesting. Yeah, I, I've always been amazed by people that did lump it together because it's mm-hmm. like I don't get Star Wars and Star Trek confused. I no, really don't. No, and no. I don't understand why people, oh, yeah, you, your show's got R2-D2 and Doctor Who and and who. <laughs> you got Doctor Who down in Sick Bay and Doctor Spark on the bridge. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. So how did you go from just being a fan to getting into writing fan fiction? I don't know. I, I really read Star Trek Lives, that, that that nonfiction book, and there's a whole section on fan fiction in the in the book, and people that wrote it. And I I wrote a story and sent it to Roberta Rogo over at Grup or Grip. She had misspelled Grup one time as Grip, and that was her fanzine, and she published it. And I've been I've been doing it ever since. Wow. Seriously. And this is back that was in, in 1974. Okay. So this was still with mimeograph machines or had they moved on beyond <laughs> the mimeographs by then? I think Roberta's husband owned a printer, uh, okay. a print. So I think it was offset print. Okay. She even published some of my artwork in which we won't. <laughs> <laughs> so so when you so, find old, old issues of Grup. Yeah. <laughs> Look for Randy. But I decided to, to, well, grip anyway, not grip. But uh, I decided, though, in 79, you know, I want to do my own thing. And I did. And um, I've been going ever since. We published uh, probably a couple of hundred fanzines over the years and and tens of thousands of readers. And somebody says, well, that was a lot. And I'm like, yeah, it was back then. But now one fan film of ours has got over 156,000 views. Yeah. We've had over a million views. So sorry, um, video killed the fanzines. <laughs> <laughs> well, how long was Orion Press in print? Um, from 1979 to 2013, I sold fast copy. And then from 2013 to 2015, I used FastCopy as a customer. And then I used a print shop that I worked at in in, uh, Birmingham from 2015 to about 2018. And then when we moved here in 2019, 
there is no affordable printing. I didn't have any relationships here in Lexington. So I stopped doing offering the zines. Okay. Um, I did give Jim Rondeau complete rights to copy and print anything of ours in our catalog that he wants to. So you can always write to Jim uh, Rondeau. Uh, he still may be at 1853 Fallbrook Avenue. Was that San Jose, perhaps? But uh, Jim, Jim has the complete catalog at his disposal. Somebody says, oh, what if he steals it? I'm like, I gave it to him. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. I like, right. to, I like to keep them in print. And we have a website, too. But it's only the classic Star Trek stuff. Mm. Um, the new, I one of these people that got really mad at the uh, what was Voyager's last episode called? Endgame. Was it Endgame? Endgame. And I'm like, I'm done. Thanks so much. <laughs> and that was it. Hey, every last episode of every series is pretty much named Endgame. So, <laughs> <laughs> but you every, last, every last episode pretty much sucks too. So, I mean, oh, you, you got your most years. popular character here. His name's Trip. Let's let's. Oh yeah. <laughs> Let's yeah. bring in Riker and Troy and it was all in the holotech. <laughs> no, God no. Wanted to no. <laughs> we need to talk about uh series finales that we did or didn't like because there's a whole thing that you just mentioned that's a good conversation. But you did that for basically 40 years. And if you think about it, there's all kinds of fanzines, magazines, like in the video game industry and especially science fiction industry that didn't last that long. I remember, you know, I was around, uh, I guess you were too, Randy, when the, the the console war started. I remember the first Atari, the first Commodore. I was there for the Sega, Nintendo stuff. And there was a billion video game magazines, most of which are now gone. And you lasted, you did that for 40 years. That's a lot. It was. And, you know, the funny thing is, as you mentioned, those Mm-hmm. When you said console wars, I thought you were going to talk about VHS versus Betamax. <laughs> I was there that's too. <laughs> I, I remember that. Yes, that's how old I was. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Uh, those oh. things remind you that the best product almost never wins adoption. Truth. No, but. in fact, the, it's the best marketing that wins every yeah, time. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry, the VHS was inferior to Betamax. <laughs> but you know what? They gave it to every Tom, Dick, and Harry that just, you know, oh, here's 5,000. You got, you now have a license to produce VHS. And what way, what better way to just absolutely destroy your opponent? Uh, <laughs> yes, and Internet Explorer is inferior to Netscape Navigator. That's how far back we go. <laughs> but yeah, for 40 years from, from BBS to digital printing, and that's, that's longer than a whole bunch of publications you can think mm-hmm. of. Yeah. Um, I never did. I did two or three um, offset printing. I never did the the Mimeos, but golly, there were some great stories and some great zines back then with the the purple ink and then the black ink when the, when it began to have black ink instead of purple. They were using digital duplicators, collating by hand. Um, I basically from the time I got to college was doing this and somebody says, well, where did you get it done at Kinko's? <laughs> and, then, and I was in there at Kinko's for four or five years. And they said, um, you want a job? I'm like, can I get an, 
Can I get an employee discount? <laughs> Next thing you know, I managed to Kinko's for a few years and mm-hmm. my wife uh, graduated from tech and we moved to Albany, Georgia. And I'm like, I taught school for seven years and I was using a Kinko's in Mobile, Alabama. Mm-hmm. And then three in daycare is more than the take home pay of a teacher in South mm-hmm. Georgia. So uh, I said, well, time to start my own business. And I bought a print, well, I created a print shop called Fast Copy, and it's still there today, even though I've sold it. And I used it for years. Somebody says, well, did you do them for free? And I'm like, no, but I charged myself a penny and a half per copy. (laughs) (laughs) Gave myself a great deal. (laughs) Somebody says, well, did you make money on it? I said, Oh no, did you ever see the prices on zines? I mean, <laughs> the offset printing is was cheaper for almost that entire time. Mm-hmm. And then once the offset went away, all the digital copying went up in price mm-hmm. to the to the, I, I was paying less than a penny less than a tenth of a cent per cert, copy service click. And the next thing you know is I'm paying five cents per click. And I'm like, crap. Wow. Yeah. You know, sometimes when technology increases or eliminates competition, prices go up. And that's exactly what happened, you know, with the VHS and the Betamax. Yeah. Yeah. After Betamax was gone, next thing you know is they went up on their prices. Mm-hmm. I need to jump in real quick with some comments. because We've had some folks that came in early. And oh, welcome, y'all. Wayne, Matt, so Wayne. Wayne. I'll say hi. And then Matt chimed in with, I remember cons in the eighties where you would have tables full of fanzines being sold. Yeah. That is, I, I would have two tables at some conventions like Chorley. <laughs> and, and somebody said, how many, how many zines did you sell? And I'm like, um, 800. Well, we sold 4,000. I'm like, yeah, I, I'm power to you. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll still at conventions. It's some of the smaller cons, especially mm-hmm. like there'll be that table with a, a box mm-hmm. of zines underneath the table, and that's when mm-hmm. I'll go digging through those and come <laughs> home with way, way more fanzines from the seventies than I need. <laughs> well, you will never look at again. I have a whole a whole bookshelf downstairs. It's as wide as the wall behind me, and I, I'm like, it's got to stay downstairs because. I, I don't rule upstairs. Right. <laughs> I'm allowed downstairs, but I'm not allowed upstairs with Star Trek. Stuff. Well, now eventually you made the transition over into fan films. Uh, I did. Or, and now there's been sort of the phenomenon of fan films over the last 15 years where you had like the, the ones that came in that had money and just, you know, money and power and glory. And right. (laughs) Yours are like the, the real fan films where it's like, my buddy's got a bridge in his basement type fan films. I have a bridge in my basement. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I mean, it's beautiful too. It's the best one we've had yet. Mm. We've done it four times. The first time it was on the carport. And then the second time it was in a warehouse that was costing me $200 a month. Oh, geez. That's a good deal the for a third, warehouse. Yeah. It, it was. It was Albany, yeah. Georgia. You could get a warehouse all $200, y'all. No air conditioning. Wow. But, you know, that's okay. And then that was, that was the first studio that I visited back when you were in Albany. Did you, the, did you even visit warehouse. that one? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, I drove. That's a, that's a drive from, from where I live. It's three and a half hours from Mableton. Yeah. 
Um, but that, I mean, it was, it's, it's just a cool setup because it's like, um, you know, pieces of set and sets just everywhere you turn, you know, you <laughs> turn around and there's the brig, you know? <laughs> well, and you know, it's funny you should mention that because I'm like, I need a brig. I don't have a place to put it now. I've got a sick bay. I've got a transporter room. I've got a briefing room, which we didn't have at the other studios. I got a huge bridge with a turbo lift, a corridor. I've got a shuttlecraft in the basement. I've got a Klingon bridge. The bottom, like I said, the, the top, the, the top floor, the first floor, that's my wife's. The bottom floor is Potemkin Pictures Studio. <laughs> what, what gave you the idea to do fa um, fan films? And where did you get your experience with any of that? Building sets and lighting and all that stuff that you had to learn. Keith, I, I read this article mm -hmm. and I read it online. It was about Paragon's Paragon. Mm. Okay. And it was... These people were making a, a Star Trek fan film, mm -hmm. and they had cardboard sets. And I'm not talking about the thin, flappy stuff. I mean, uh -huh. it was the thicker cardboard sets. And right. they, were, they were building them. They were painting them. And you can see this thing on YouTube if you look up Paragon's Paragon, mm -hmm. but you can't see the whole episode. And part of it is that um, some of the stuff that they did was like, oh, you can't do that. Right. Uh, yeah, and like uh, have a white a white lady playing Uhura and, and yes, that, that, and black face. Yeah. Oh my. Yeah. Yeah. That's what people yeah. did. Yep. It is. It's what people did back in the seventies, and it's not right by any mm -hmm. stretch of the imagination, any more than it is for for the uh, Warren Oland or whatever by everybody Warner Oland playing Charlie Chan. That was wrong too. Right. And, and we just have to. You know, we've moved on. We've progressed. Right. And that's good. But um, I read that article and I watched a couple of fan films like Farragut, mm -hmm. um, Starship Farragut, mm -hmm. and a couple of um, Star, Star Trek, um, what is it, New Voyages, which is was phase two for a while right. and back to New Voyages. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I can do that. And then the, it was the same thing. When I was doing fanzines, mm -hmm. these these wonderful people, these wonderful editors and story writers would they would work for two years to release one zine. It would be three hundred pages and it would be perfect bound, full color cover, perfectly printed in in, in beautiful paper on and offset printing. And I'm running the Kingos and we've got a hundred and ninety page fanzine right now. And <laughs> Same thing with our fan films. It's like um, somebody says, well, what are you, wh how satisfied are you with it? And I'm like, I'm 95% happy with most everything we do. And I think that's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, sometimes getting something done is a major accomplishment. Right. I mean, a lot of people plan things for a long time and never get something actually out. So it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's satisfying to actually complete something and release it. Yeah. I mean, we, we've taken one of your stories the the charming one with the alien among us i mean yeah. that's absolutely one of my favorites and you can never tell what's going to you know have like 10,000 views or 2,000 views and right sometimes our best stories get lots of views and sometimes they get not so many <laughs> right <laughs> uh yeah 
Yeah. And, uh, and, and you offer a lot of opportunities for folks. Like I, I had the chance to write for you and, and help as a story editor for a while. And Veronica and I have both acted in films. Um, yep. A lot of, you know, young actors. We miss, we we miss y'all. Uh, we miss you being in <laughs> Birmingham. <laughs> Lexington's only five hours away from, from Mableton. Think about it. Yeah, come on you, up, Keith. Come on up. There's not, a, there's not a time change, so we don't get there earlier. <laughs> oh, no. The time change was in Birmingham. I, that yeah. took a while. The Birmingham group is coming up here from time to time twice a year, and they're like, oh, what is this time change? And then they get back, oh, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we always had to plan. It was an hour there and three hours back. Yes. Uh, exactly. <laughs> Absolutely true. Well, they're taking three hours to get here and and one hour to get back. So it's the same yeah. thing, just better for you, I guess. <laughs> so you but became basically self-taught. You were self-taught then, at all that. Um, yes. Wow. I, I have had absolutely no classes in digital work. Mm -hmm. um, when we started filming the movies, I didn't edit. I edit them all now. Well, not all, okay. but ninety-five percent of them. Um, I learned, but, but when I had the print shop, I learned how to do page maker and I learned how to do illustrator and I learned how to do Photoshop and, right. and, you know, it's, you just have to, I'm one of those guys that, and I, I can't, I cannot read a book, an instruction book and say, Oh yeah, my, my wife's uncle writes books like that. And I can't understand what he's saying anyway at Thanksgiving. So. <laughs> it's like, I'm up here. Can you look at me? No. <laughs> okay. Nice guy though. Uh, but you know, I'm one of those guys. I, there's very little difference between creating something in text and creating something in video. It's just, like a different language, mm -hmm. but it's the same idea. Right. You, you have to have a timeline. You have to hang pieces on the timeline. You, just like you had to have a table of contents and stories to plug in. And and we, we do a pretty decent job with it. Yeah. I'm really proud of some of our latest work in particular. Mm -hmm. And we're getting more and more people involved, you know, Chuck, come back to the dark side and join us. <laughs> we need join to. We've us. talked about it. We've talked about it. Uh, but that was one of the things that really got me interested and inspired me to get involved with what you guys were doing because they were, I mean, they're low-budget fan films. They're, you know, absolutely. Sets, but you guys really focused on story. And back, back when Dave Eversaw, our mutual friend, was working as story editor. And, I mean, it was about the writing more so than, you know, Who's the guest star this week? <laughs> Dave, Dave is still working with us. Okay. Uh, uh, I actually sent him something the other day, and I, I said, I don't know how to write a Western. <laughs> Fix this. Because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I never liked Westerns. I mean, my my grandmother would watch Gunsmoke and would make me you know, wait until Gunsmoke was off and then I could watch the 10 o'clock Friday night Star Trek. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, and if it ran late, oh my gosh, it was terrible. Gosh, I, I watched every Western but Gunsmoke coming Did out. you? Yeah, oh gosh, yeah, I'm a huge Western fan. I still watch uh, Tells Wells Fargo when they mm. come on. That I have back. never heard of that one. <laughs> <laughs> um what westerns did I? I did watch. Um, what was the one with Jim West? Oh, 
Yes. Wild Wild West. Wild Wild West. Wild Wild West. Yeah. I did watch yeah. that one. Yeah. But that was more like science fiction anyway. Yeah, yeah, it was it was kind of a what was it? It's kind of cyberpunk, right? It's not cyber. It's cyberpunk. I would steampunk. call it cyberpunk. Yeah, it's steampunk. It was, yeah. It's steampunk. That's steampunk. It. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, westerns weren't far removed from Star Trek. I mean, Gene Roddenberry came out of working on Have Gun Will Travel, and yeah. a lot of that language carried over into I mean every, everything on television, but science fiction in particular in the sixties. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's how he could sell it to the network. He mm-hmm. went to them and saying, "This is wagon train to the stars," right? Well, it is. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I had forgotten he wrote, wrote, have gone with, have gun will travel. Isn't that the one with Paladin? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. That, that's a pretty darn good one. That's, yeah, uh, that's my, probably my favorite of that era of Westerns. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny because they couldn't let go of the Western, the Western idea, because I was just listening to an interview with Rick Berman yesterday with the guys from Enterprise. And he said when they pitched Deep Space Nine, they went back to that Western well and said, well, Star Trek was um, have gun, uh, um, what was it, a wagon train. Then Deep Space Nine was the rifleman. Right. And so they were still, <laughs> and especially when you had Ben Sisko and his son, just like uh, the rifleman and his son. So they were still holding on to the Western thing. I don't know if that yep. worked nowadays, trying to get something sold, but it did. Uh, <laughs> you know, my wife watches one on on Paramount Plus. Um, Yellowstone, Yellowstone. Okay. Yeah, yeah. She watched the 1923. She watched the 1842 or whatever that was. <laughs> right. I'm yeah, sure there'll be a 1712 one coming out soon. And, and there's a Bass uh, Reeves one that just came out. Yeah. The what? Bass Reeves about the black, uh, the guy, the black marshal. Oh yes, and that's a true story. So yeah. that's even better. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, my wife can watch the westerns. I can watch the Star Trek. <laughs> and I, you know, and we have Paramount to thank for that. <laughs> Let me jump in with a comment. Uh, right. We were talking about Potemkin Pictures. Elaine said, "Sounds like an Earth Station Trek field trip to me." Uh, hey. More than welcome. Come on, come on. We are the Cigar Nerds, bringing nerdy sophistication and geeky indulgence on all topics, including movies, video games, science, and pop culture news, all from the Nerd Cave Cigar Lounge. Find us on iTunes, Stitchers, Google Play, and wherever fine podcasts are found, including ESONetwork.com and CigarNerdPodcast.com. So fire up a cigar, it's time to get nerdy. And then we had a voicemail on our voicemail line. Yeah. So I'm going to play the voicemail real quick. We could react to that. Okay. Hey, regular cool. listener Matt Sweatman here. Uh, a couple of show ideas I thought I'd pass along. Uh, one, I had an idea that uh, I don't think you covered some of the fan films out there. Maybe some recommendations ah. on which ones are good, some particular episodes, highlights, and their effects on fandom and canon. And also, since you've done Kai Wynn, since you've done um, – Gold Dukat, I think an episode on Rayoon would be uh, kind of cool, kind of the, the three big baddies from uh, DS9. So, yeah, uh, those are just a couple ideas, and uh, they're, they're here for you guys. And uh, I'll bring, if I have any more ideas, I'll call back. Bye. Hey. Well, Matt. Yeah, and Matt called in. Hey, we hadn't even announced that Randy was going to. Matt Sweatman Uh-oh. here. Uh, a couple of show again. ideas. 
<laughs> Go away, Matt. Uh, <laughs> it was it was so good we had to play it twice. That's right. Uh, yeah, Matt didn't even know you were going to be on, so we hadn't we hadn't announced that yet. So, um, yeah, he had his his first question was about fan films. If mm-hmm. you could make any recommendations of fan films, okay, I recommend uh, Starship Farragut a okay. lot. Yeah. Um, they're a bigger budget than I, than ours are by far. And then the highest budget one that I like the most, Star Trek Continues. I mean, yep. it really is solid. Yeah. Um, I don't always agree with their wrapping it all up with a neat little bow at the end, but every once in a while, they'll surprise me. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, you know, as far as other fan films, I... I, I produce one per month, roughly. <laughs> and so I don't have a lot of time to watch them. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I do occasionally sit down with the Star Trek reviewed website and they have a list every month that they post and I just start clicking and watching. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the things that I only focus on, oh, I'll tell you who, who does a really good one. <laughs> I don't do TNG or the modern era stuff. I'm still mad about uh, Endgame. So, but you know, I will watch Nick Cook's Starship Intrepid series every mm. single time. Excellent yeah. acting, excellent writing. And you know, um, Chuck, that's what the thing that, oh, Charles, sorry. Um, it's what the thing was always about was with us, it's the characters and the writing. Well, that's that's true with Nick Cook's series too. Yeah, and and Nick Cook's based out, based out of Scotland, and yes, yeah, he does fantastic work. He does. Mm-hmm. Right, um, you made a comment that I was that, that I was just about to ask you a question. You made an interesting comment. I was going to ask you when we were talking about the fan films for what Matt Sweatman mm-hmm. called it. And Charles said, "What do fan films give you, or you think give people that the new series don't, or will, or what, how do they either supplement them or replace them for some people, as opposed to things like Picard, Lower Decks, Discovery, New Trek, as they call it." Okay. I don't even call that new Trek. I call that modern, uh, you know, modern Trek. The the mm-hmm. new Trek was the J.J. Abrams stuff. Um, <laughs> and, and Charles will know you've opened the can of worms with that question. <laughs> I'm not uh, a fan of the J.J. movie, so you, you, you go say and I, you need to. <laughs> I am, except for Into Darkness. I love the first one. I love uh, Star Trek Beyond, but Into Darkness, I'm like, you didn't need to lie to the fans. And it's the right. same problem I had with Nemesis. Oh, you didn't need to lie to the fans about who this guy is. Come mm-hmm. on. We're not stupid. Right. Um, <laughs> but, you know, um, I love Star Trek, the original series. I really like the animated series. Mm-hmm. Um I really like Star Trek The Next Generation. I almost love Deep Space Nine. Um, I Voyager was hit or miss with me. Sometimes it would be really good, and sometimes I'm like, really? No. Yeah. yeah. No. At the start Giant, Voyager. Yeah, and then Enterprise just pissed me off all the time. But it has some surprise, like North Star, one of my yeah. favorite Star Treks. One of my, and it's a western. western yes. <laughs> Maybe you do like westerns. You don't know it. <laughs> well, it's like, oh yeah. no. But um, and, and I'm working on. <laughs> oh, lab! I'm working on a western Star Trek right now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> and that's why I was reaching out to Dave Eversall. I told him earlier this evening. I, I 
I don't even like Westerns, but I want to do this Western. And and he's like, okay. That's <laughs> we'll good. See. That's one thing that Star Trek always did was, you know, explore different genres. Yeah. And we're constantly exploring different places. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I go by a place and I'm like, ooh, there's a good place to film at. And find out <laughs> how I can make that happen. Right. But um, the J.J. Trek, like I said, hit or miss. Mm-hmm. Um, first season, Star Trek Picard, loved it. Mm. Everyone else I know that really hated it. I'm like, I liked it. Sorry. <laughs> and then the second season, I didn't care for. Mm-hmm. The third season was Star Trek The Next Generation on steroids. Absolutely. <laughs> and, Absolutely. So I liked it. Mm-hmm. Didn't love all of it. I liked it, though. Um, could have done with a little less fan service, but that's just me. Okay. Aside from the original series, I love Strange New Worlds. And I really, really, I won't. I've watched several episodes a dozen times, and I can only say that about the original series. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And then Lower Decks. I love the Lower Decks. Yeah. And somebody says, what what did it for the Lower Decks? Spoiler alert. The giant, they're in the space station looking at this guy's personal treasure ship. And there's a 50-foot skeleton up in the ceiling, and it's got a blue Spock uniform. Yes. And I said, oh, my God, it's Spock 2 from the animated series. (laughs) From the Infinite Vulcan, yes. Yes. (laughs) Written by Walter Koenig. Yeah. So I'm like, okay. Yeah. So that's my status of all things Trek. Um, our, our other co-host couldn't be here tonight, but he had asked me before you came on, does he pronounce it Orion Press or Orion Press? Orion. <laughs> He's a big enough animated series fan. He probably wouldn't mind. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like I watched, um, if you really want a bad one, it's, um, what is it? It's the Gamesters of Triskelion. Um, They come and take Uhura away. And um, Shatner is sitting there going, what happened? What have you done? What have you done with Lieutenant Uhura? Yes. <laughs> you yeah. couldn't get a second take or something? <laughs> right. He, he's also so, famous being Canadian for the sabotage. He sabotage. Was sabotage. It sneaks sabotage. out. Sabotage. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Vic Mignona of Star Trek Continues, says he, he does a perfect Kirk. Um Mm. It really does. and But I'm also glad to say that Strange New Worlds doesn't try to do Kirk or do Shatner doing Kirk, I should say. Yeah. And I think that's that's a benefit for them, too. It's a, a wise choice. really was. Yeah, um, it's very easy to fall into parody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It really is. Um, but some of the parody, like, um, I guess it's in Star Trek Beyond when Kirk is talking to the little talking to the aliens and we find out they're, they're just giant gremlins uh, or not even giant gremlins, tiny little gremlins, right. For little things with teeth. And, and I'm like, Oh, that's funny. Um, <laughs> and he kind of shattered it up and that was fine too. Mm-hmm. Now, what, what is your favorite one, Keith? Uh, it's tough, but it, at the top, it battles between the original series and Deep Space Nine. Uh, I love them both. I grew up watching the original series. Um, I was—we were talking about something about this the other couple months ago—and I was telling someone that 
since I, I started watching track when I was about seven and I have never gone a single week since then where I haven't watched at least one episode of track every week. So I love the original series and I love deep space nine because of like you guys were saying, it's the writing and the characters and it's, it's frankly transgressive in a lot of ways um, compared to what Gene would have allowed had he mm. been alive. Oh yeah. Charge. And I love it for that reason. Um, and I, and I love Avery Brooks. I mean, I know him, of course, as Hawk from Spencer for Hire. Spencer for Hire, yes. Yeah. And when he became, you know, the whole joke is somebody in the newer series didn't get good to say the third season. And, and of course, as everybody knows, the joke with Deep Space Nine is when Cisco shaved his head and got the beard back, he changed, the show changed, everything yes. changed. <laughs> well, yeah. I thought he was so emasculated. Hang on, somebody wanted outside, begged to go outside, <laughs> and now is sitting there out on the porch begging. <laughs> <laughs> I know nothing about that now. Oh yeah, you do. I've seen that. I've seen that fluffy little. There we go. Sorry, but uh, they emasculated Avery Brooks for the first season, and I was just so disappointed. Mm-hmm. And I had written a short story, well, a couple of short stories with Sulu as the first officer of the Starship Cooper, a little science ship, mm-hmm. <laughs> and his captain was. I had envisioned Avery Brooks as Hulk, but not mm-hmm. as Hulk, as right. the captain. And I'm like, look, it's not that hard to write for Avery Brooks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Deep Space Nine during the first season couldn't write for him, just could not. So I was so glad that they stretched it and worked it out. And again, I didn't like the finale, but that's <laughs> God. It's it's not just it's all of them, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know. All good things is a pretty good finale. My yeah, that's that's funny. Yeah, I I like all so. good things. I don't. It's funny. I don't love all good things like everybody else does. I like yeah. it. I like what yeah. we left, I like what we left behind better or leave behind better. Uh, but you're right. And I was just reading something about Deep Space Nine again, and they repeated the thing that the network was terrified, terrified that fans would not be able to separate Hawk from yeah. Cisco. And it's just, mm-hmm. It was insane. So he got the, you know, so he got the, he got the beard first. It was weird. So he had the beard, but he had hair. And then when he shaved the hair and I've watched it and I don't know if there's a tissue. I swear his walk even comes back. <laughs> his, his walk, it changes. It <laughs> yeah. And I mean, Avery is just absolutely a lovely person. I mean, I, I, I don't know if you saw Shatner interviewing them. They were just two mellow guys chilling out and having a good time. And Avery was playing the piano. And I'm like, that's what they were thinking that they wanted Cisco to be. And I'm like, no, that's not that didn't work. But when when he got that when he got his mojo back, then we were talking some yeah. serious, right. serious yeah. Deep Space Nine. I, and I, there are some episodes I love little green men. <laughs> just love it. Yes. Yes. Um, yes. Yes. Oh, and the visitor. Mm-hmm. To this mm-hmm. day, that that's one of the most wrenching. Yeah. Wrenching episodes of Star Trek ever. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, it definitely is. Well, we had a couple of comments come in. Uh, Elaine said that they'll they'll be watching the last episode of Star Trek Continues tonight. They've been Matt and Elaine have been watching through Star Trek Continues, and shout out to Matt and Elaine Watch TV on Facebook. And then Matt chimed in with the original series is the best comfort food television out there. I can have it on while doing work or watch bits and pieces of an episode when channel surfing. Deep Space Nine, I can't really watch that way. (laughs) We're the opposite. DS9 Mm -hmm. is our go-to, like, put on when it's time for bed show. Just because it's a very 
comfortable show. You it's know? comforting. And yeah. it's not like, oh, this is so boring. It puts you to sleep. It's, oh, this is, I'm familiar with this. This is comfortable. My brain doesn't have to function. So then no. it will slowly. Yeah. But it, it engages you enough that you're not <laughs> thinking about what you're doing tomorrow and that sort of thing. But um, not so much that you have to sit up and watch it because we've seen it a hundred times. Well, <laughs> see, it's funny you should mention that. My Star Trek movie is to go to sleep to is Star Trek The Final Frontier. Okay. Yeah, that because was sleep. no, it's not even that. It's there was a Star Trek fan writer named. Uh -oh. Uh oh, I think we lost him. Yep, Randy. Yep. Randy went into an ion storm, so hopefully he'll jump back. <laughs> he'll come back. Quick. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I was going to say we've talked about this several times. I am really, really, really unusual in that I do not watch Star Trek casually in the background. Oh. I can't. It's no, no, no track at all. Not a single okay. series. When I watch it, I sit down and watch it. I can't have it. I, I can't go to sleep to it. Um, I mean, if it was if it's on like regular, you know, like if back in the day when you used to be able to get it on Comet TV or whatever, Spike TV when you had it, I might have it on the background. But when I put on Star Trek, I still sit down and watch it. Yeah, you know, it's it's. Um, hey, there you go. You're back. Charles said you had an ion storm hit you. <laughs> you should have come back with a goatee. Yeah, that was one of those. Ah, oh, crap! My phone hit the wrong button. Yep. Uh, um, but the what was I saying? Star Trek Five works for me as a nighttime thing. Rail Row wrote these wonderful series of like Kirk and McCoy teaching Spock how to swim. Mm. <laughs> Kirk and McCoy go camping with Spock. Mm -hmm. This is that that this is a movie length version of several stories put together. Yeah, and so that's why it's it's just very. You like comfort food? I mean, that's yeah. just that's just a bowl of tomato soup with a grilled cheese sandwich. There. I mean, yeah. is it the best Star Trek? Oh God, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. But. <laughs> You know, somebody's sitting there going, it's the worst Star Trek ever. And I'm like, clearly you haven't seen Nemesis. <laughs> <laughs> Her and the children shall lead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They always blamed, uh, what was the one they always said? It was the specter of the gun. And I'm like, oh, oh my God, it's a Western, is it? We have a theme. <laughs> you know, Spe specter of the gun, I don't love, but it is actually an extremely popular episode of the original series. You find a lot of people who love that. I don't care for it, but a lot of people love it. The Empath is another one I don't care for, but that is actually pretty beloved. I like, I like I the Empath a lot. Yeah. I love Empath. Mm -hmm. Somebody says this third season is terrible, and I'm like, oh no, I love the Empath, Tholian Web. Oh, um, yeah. The one with the Paradise Syndrome, with, mm -hmm. with, oh my God, that breaks my heart every time. Yeah. And then I watch something like, and the children shall lead, and I'm like, ooh, what did y'all do? <laughs> <laughs> oh, not wise. Okay. Um, I'm going to steer us back towards fan films. Um, oh, okay. Because. Uh, you play a security chief in, in I, I Star Trek Marie Curie. Yes, and that was what I was going to bring up because we had a Michael Burnham before there was a Michael Burnham. Ah, did. Uh, yes, that captain, she had the Michael Burnham hair. She had the Michael Burnham attitude before there was a Michael Burnham. So I 100% think that Star Trek Discovery ripped off the character. You think Brian Singer was watching Potemkin Pictures and was like, oh, yes. they're onto something there. Yep. <laughs> Yep. Yeah, but was your captain another unknown member of the of the Sarek family? 
No. <laughs> Another hiding in the closet Sarek family member. She was Spock's yeah. cousin. Man. Yeah. <laughs> Sarek gets around. God damn. That, that man's got some, some serious powers of persuasion, apparently. <laughs> there there was a fan film, Star Trek Renegades, that mm-hmm. had a character the, the captain on that show was a descendant of Khan. Khan. And wow. I bet when it came out, and I was like, that's pretty cheesy, but you wouldn't do that on Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> Enter Le- on. <laughs> and you know, that's one of my favorite characters from, from Strange New World. Lovely and wonderful. Yeah. And then when you meet her or see her behind the scenes, you're like, oh, oh, that's not you at all whatsoever. Yeah, she's, she's so I mean, different from her on-screen character. Really? She's yeah. just so yeah. She's just a, she's she's a, more she's like a her like princess character that she played in that yes. fairy tale. And that's yeah. more like how she actually is. <laughs> and you know, see, that's kind of what I really like about Strange New Worlds is that the people that are playing the roles are not playing them to type. Um mm-hmm. the young woman uh Ramirez who's at the helm. Uh, her husband passed away tragically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, while they were, yeah. It, and I'm right. like, oh my God, it broke my heart for the actress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Melissa Nava, Bryson? Nava. Yeah. Nava. Yeah. Yeah. Randy, it's funny you say that about Strange Worlds because I've had to self edit myself because these guys will tell you. I will say, I will do something like I'll say, I like Laon's character. Then I'll do that. Yeah, you know, I really can't stand the fact that there's a syndicate con on the show. <laughs> and so I've had to edit out the, it's kind of understood. You don't like that there's a con, but you don't get him started it. on the Gorn. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Okay, now, now the Gorn stuck. Okay, we, no doubt about that. Yeah. We, you, we've you been watching... Morning. We've been watching Alien, and and we decided we're going to rip Alien off. Okay, <laughs> right. But I'm Randy, surprised, you, James. You use Go Gorn, ahead. Though. I do, and I use the classic series Gorn. Yes. I got and to write a Gorn episode for you one time. Yeah, you did. Yeah, the Crystal Eyes, in fact, and it was yeah. it was kind of interesting. When it, they added a space bear to it. Yeah, but, there's. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> I had my little Harlan Ellison moment watching it. <laughs> They're ruining my script. <laughs> I think it came out short compared to what he wanted it to be. And I think he padded it out with space bear. Yeah. And I think anyone who likes that episode, they'll say the bear is the best part in (laughs) forever. Space bear, an actual bear. Yeah. Yeah. There was a, it was the actual one goes bear. And all of a sudden there's a a bear attacking them. (laughs) (laughs) I, to, to be honest though, Chuck, I think he's mad at me because, um, I'm not gonna let just a bear attack. I made it blue. Right. <laughs> it's yeah. a giant blue space bear. So if anyone watches the episode Crystal Eyes of Potemkin, it's uh, wonderful. It really is. But uh, just know that there was originally no bear. No bear. <laughs> <laughs> when I submit it for the awards, it'll be the bearless script. <laughs> we did submit it for an award too. I mean, oh. we were asked to by one of the actors, and I went ahead and submitted it. Oh, great. It did not get past nominations, but that's okay. okay. Um, you know, I, I, whenever somebody comes to me, I want my film submitted. Okay. And they're like, can I have a copy? And I'm like, here you go. And then they send it off and th- they do their thing. And we we aren't big into the awards. We're big into how many people viewed the episode. And somebody says, well, 
this episode of Star Trek Continues has 1.6 million views. And I'm like, good. It's a really good episode. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's not a competition. But it's not. I'm like, yeah. well, what is your latest film? I had a 20,000 one earlier this year, 25, something like that. Well, see, that's nothing. I'm like, it's 25,000. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was a time when if someone said 25,000 people watched your movie, you'd be thrilled. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I'm sitting there thinking, I'm sitting there thinking to the days of, of Roger Corman. He's like, we had, we had five theaters that had 200 people. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> I got him beat. <laughs> <laughs> And speaking of awards, I, I, you guys just won. Correct me if I get this wrong. Is it the Trek Zones Best Studio Award? Yeah. Well, this year it was Best Production House. Okay. Um, we won Best Studio last year, but okay. you got to understand nice. we have studio, and I really should have filmed this down there. But I, I told Chuck I just needed to be comfortable tonight. That's fine. <laughs> and uh, but we have a bridge. It lights up. They're blinking lights. And we can add sound and it's science fiction. I mean, blinking lights equals science fiction. Mm-hmm. And um, um, man, they were sitting there going, You're, you've got all this down there in this, in this basement. And I'm like, yep. <laughs> what does your wife think? It's downstairs. <laughs> as long as it doesn't come upstairs. That is correct. It cannot come upstairs. Um, I don't know. Veronica actually knows that there is an exception to that. Remember when we had the, the green screen in the living room at the house in Pelham? Oh my yes. gosh. Yes. Yeah. I, I hung a green screen all around our living room and we left it up for months. <laughs> <laughs> it was used. It was used. Yeah. For months. Yes. But, you know, eventually we were now. To do a green screen, we hang it outside outside the garage. I hung a giant twenty four foot uh, curtain rod. <laughs> we attach the green screen to it, and it's in the shade most of the time. And if it's in the sunny, we do we do the sunny scene. Yeah. <laughs> now, do you do do you do any characters from the franchises? Or are you are you even allowed to do that nowadays? Because there was a time when the the powers that be didn't look at this stuff, but you know, then they started looking at all this stuff. So, do you do any characters that come from the all the other series, or are you well, just adjacent to them? A Vulcan ambassador mm-hmm. may have appeared in a Potemkin, mm-hmm. and um, and it was actually his father. He, he says, "I got his on his father," <laughs> <laughs> and everyone's like, "Oh, that's." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, gotcha. So, and then if somebody came to me and said, "This is this is so and so," and I'm like, "Did we use the name? I, I, are there only two Vulcans in the galaxy?" No. <laughs> so plausible deniability. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, if there's any fans out there watching this that would like to get involved, I mean. I mean, try because yeah, I, I remember the first thing I, the first script I ever wrote that people recited or acted out loud was the monsters are with us. And I got to go out there and spend, I mean, it was a, like a 13 hour filming day, mm-hmm. um, but it was wow. so much fun to see people in Starfleet uniforms performing your dialogue or, 
you know, I would jump in in little scenes and be the security chief that gets punched. Or one time I was the Klingon that got zapped and went, I, yeah. <laughs> Veronica was Dr. Goodkind, which, yep. Yep, Dr. Goodkind. And then later, you, what was your character's name uh, on Marie Curry? Um, uh, Sam Jackson. Sam Jackson. Sam Jackson. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. Because I was I was Samantha Jackson. Okay. And Samantha That's right. from Stargate and Dr. <laughs> Jackson from Stargate. Yep. People call her Jack, which is awesome. Yeah. And she's in a t- she's in a towel in one scene. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. In a space towel. Well, it was a in robe. A, it was like a space robe. We space robe. Okay. Designed space a space robe. robe. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, it's just fun. It's just if you've ever had that ambition, it's it's amazing to to go do it and then to see yourself in a Star Trek. It's just fun. Well, see, I'm holding a cell phone right now and doing all this. If you have a cell phone, you can make a movie. Mm-hmm. I promise you. Uh, somebody says, well, I don't have a budget. You can find yeah. shirts. Yeah. I mean, for heaven's sake, I will show something. I have a package that came from Amazon. <laughs> I remember the shirt that I wore in the first fan film I had. It was just a turtleneck blue yes. shirt. Yeah. And, when, and you have like little badges that you'll clip onto them. See, see it's, it's, isn't it pretty? Yeah. See? It's uh, nice and gold. And you can see the name brand. <laughs> I have gold. Pretty blue. Ooh, classic blue. Yeah, I mean, we have classic, wonderful colors. Somebody says, well, what, what's red? I'm like, oh, you don't want to wear red. What? Why not? <laughs> <laughs> that's, the, that's the cadets' shirts. Our security wear black. Our medical officer wears green. I'm trying to remember if we... Oh, and red is like Savic, too. Mm. We're like command trainees. And we have one woman... We actually have a woman who's doing that right now on Demos. She's a command command trainee on Demos. She's our age. So <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. But you can so, do this. I promise anyone can do a movie. Anyone. And having watched the, go ahead. I'm sorry, what's the genesis of most of your ideas? Or do you sometimes look at this and say, I wish they had covered this like in the original series, or I'd like to revisit this planet or this creature? Where do you get most of the ideas that you do for the your work? Well, Chuck, Chuck, yours was you wanted to tell a Gorn, and you gave them a particular weakness that I thought was really cool. Um, yeah. Well, I couldn't see red. Yeah, yeah, because that is because they're lizards. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah, and, and that well, that one came about. You you had some specific things. I think at that time you were planning to film at Stone Mountain, and you wanted to use the Gorn suit, and so that yep. I originally built that story around that. But um, with the monsters are with us, my sort of challenged myself to write like a Twilight Zone type story that could be a mm-hmm. stage play where there's exactly. no aliens, there's no special effects. It's all just the characters and do a science fiction story on the standing sets. And so that was. That was what I was going for with the monsters are with us, which is still on YouTube, as far as I know. All, um, all of our episodes from Potemkin uh, yeah. are all on YouTube. Yeah, go by and visit them. www. Mm-hmm. No, go to YouTube and it's Potemkin one seven one one. But okay. um, it it's really we've got one hundred and eleven films now, Chuck. Wow. Yeah. Fantastic. And, and they're a of varying length. They're not all. It's not. Oh God. Not, no. not talking about one hundred and eleven features. You know. <laughs> Somebody told me. 
wait a second. The opening and closing credits on this one are, are longer than the actual episode. I'm like, <laughs> yep. yep. Well, the story, and you're not trying to fit a time slot. The story is just nope. as long as it needs to be, and then it's done. Yeah. And it was a Twilight Zone. Keith, getting back to your question, it was a. Uh-huh. I said, you know, this would be. What if they beam down and this happened? Mm, okay. And it's three minutes long. Yeah. <laughs> and um, it's Twilight Zone-ish. So, <laughs> yeah. um, a lot of times I like the monster of the week approach. Mm-hmm. Especially if it's like a horda. Mm-hmm. Um, see, I grew up watching the Outer Limits, and the monsters were usually bad guys. Yes. But once yeah. in a while, you'd have a good guy episode, and I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, I like that one. Mm-hmm. And the horda is literally one of those things. In fact, the horda was in one of them. She was she was a monster on um in an episode of the Twilight Zone or Outer Limits. Outer Limits. Yeah. Yeah, she's a monster. In yep. that episode, a, vi- a super virus, if I remember right. Yeah, like a giant like virus. Yeah, I think Yanis Prochaska already had that costume and brought it in and sort of auditioned with it, and it became the Horda. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the same Yanos who put on a white gorilla suit and became the Mugatu. That's right. Yeah. And I'm just wondering, wonder if somebody was thinking of redoing Mighty Joe Young at some point, or maybe some <laughs> other movie. Right. Um, but. This episode, the the Western, I'm like, mm-hmm. I have this scene in my head. I already wrote it mm-hmm. down. I sent it off to Dave Eversall, and I said, help me, help me. I don't know a damn thing about Westerns. <laughs> and he's like, oh, well, okay. So, but you can never tell where inspiration will come to you. It might, right. it might be a location. It might mm-hmm. be something like an, a monster. What if, or you know, one of my more recent episodes for Tristan was the encounter of a world where everyone has lost their sight. And yes, I stole it from the day of the trivets. <laughs> oh yeah. Classic movie. But nobody remembers it. <laughs> I mean, you don't remember it. How classic is it? Yeah. Not the classic movie to me, but you know, yeah, same here. Um, so I always look for something like, you know, have we seen this? Have we done this? Can we add a new twist to this? Mm-hmm. And um, we had a episode we just filmed recently and it was a, it Chuck, it was a 12 and a half hour shoot Wow! in the basement. Wow. And everyone was like, it's 28 pages. We'll never, fi-. Oh my God, we're finished an hour early. And <laughs> I said, yeah. And they're like, how did you do that? And I'm like, we didn't shoot it in order. I shot it all completely. This thing, this thing, this thing. Yeah. Cut. Move, right. Boom, boom, boom. This thing's this. And they're like, but I don't like that because we did the ending like first. I'm like, yep. We <laughs> did the matter. ending first. That's that's how it works. That's how TV works. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. That's exactly how TV works now. <laughs> yes. I yeah, think- if you had a nickel for every actor that talks about how they film like the, the saddest scene in the movie, like the death of somebody in the movie at the beginning of the movie. And then, like, they got to do two months of working with that person while they're alive or something yeah. like that. It's just the way it goes. And then they say, that's not how I would do it now. Can we redo it? And the answer is, nope. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> well, Randy, thank you very much for joining us. This has been a lot of fun. I've been wanting to get you on for a long time, and we we had I had the opportunity, so I, I thought it would be great. I, I am delighted. Keith, it was a pleasure meeting you, sir. Me too. And Chuck, we have more questions. you got to come I, back. 
I will be glad to come back. I always, I always hate how I look. I hate how I sound, and I never know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like an actor. Aside from that, it went fine. <laughs> I don't know if you heard the dog going. Oh, oh, oh. I'm like, I guess they want out. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell people again where they can find Potemkin Pictures on the social medias and on YouTube and so forth. The, the main thing to find is we're on Facebook. If you just type in Potemkin Pictures, P O T E M K I N. P-I-C-T-U-R-E-S. And uh, you'll find us on Facebook. You'll find us on uh, YouTube. And I recommend just going to YouTube and starting to watch. Somebody says, well, I want to watch it from the beginning. Don't, for God's sake, don't. No. <laughs> and there's so many different series. So There are. There are, what, 10 now? Mm-hmm. 12? Wow. And so we're constantly. With the holidays coming up and mm-hmm. with new Trek for those who want the newer track, for those who watch that, we don't have any new Star Trek. It's a perfect mm-hmm. time to watch. Cause actually I'm going to watch because that was, we were just sitting here going, well, you know, there's stuff to, what do you look at? And I've seen everything Star Trek several times. This is new to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we just had a post a couple of months. Well, one month ago, that was, um, you don't, you want some horror in your Star Trek for Halloween. We give five episodes because we had five heart. I think yours is in there, Chuck. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the other thing that I really liked about it was if I if you had to watch one episode, watch Dreamtime and Empyrean. That's two, I know, but I can't count anyway. Um, but Dreamtime is is a wonderful throwback to a Star Trek that will mean a lot to a lot of people. Hmm. And Empyrean is just a very, what if it's another one of those tragedies and, and Hmm. Empyrean is a tragedy and Dreamtime is a uplifting success. And I really recommend these are our two newest releases. They're fantastic. I promise you. Great. Awesome. On the list. All right. right. Keith, Keith, where can people find more of you? You can find me on X and Facebook, primarily the ESO Network Facebook groups. And how about us, Veronica? Feltnerdy.com. Yep, and we had announced last week that December the 9th, we're going to be at Jesus' birthday party um, with strippers. Happy birthday, uh, baby Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But this is a a burlesque and drag. and and Oh, it's not something baby Jesus should go to. (laughs) No, no. Um, but Whoa. we ran into a, a situation for the first time this year that our two favorite shows to perform at in Atlanta, Sinful, uh, Sinful Variety Show and the Puck and Puppet Show, are the same night. Mm-hmm. And so we wow. had to just pick one and go. But the the organizers of those shows got together and worked it out so that we can appear in both shows the same night without us having asked. Yeah. And so they gave us the wow. option of, hey, if you want to be in the first act of this show and then race across town and be in the second act of this <laughs> show, you're welcome to. And so we're like... Why not? So guess one is in Roswell and one is in Hapeville or, or no, nope. Decatur, Decatur, both Atlanta, fortunately. So, oh, okay. Oh, you have two chances to see us on December 9th at the Sinful Variety Show and the Puck and Puppet Show. We'll be making two appearances that night for the first time. So, that's going to be wild. Yeah. Um, and Are you doing the same show for each? No, we're uh, doing very different things for each. Yep. Ooh, yes. see, that's wow. even better. Yeah. All right, Veronica, where else can people find us? Monkeying around a podcast about the monkeys. And do you have a closing for us this week? Anything Star Trekky? 
Live long and prosper. Hey, that works. <laughs> <laughs> we won't have a show next week, folks. We're taking off for Thanksgiving week, and then we'll be back the following week. So join us on uh, two Thursdays from now at 8 p.m. Eastern. We'll be going live on YouTube, Facebook, and your favorite uh, podcast platform. Everyone, have a great night. Really enjoyed being here. Thanks so much for having me here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Earth Station Trek. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Give us a positive rating. You can also send us feedback at earthstationtrek at gmail.com. You can join in the fun on our Facebook group or follow us on Twitter. You can also visit us online at earthstationtrek.podbean.com. We'll see you next time. Live long and prosper. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.